0: WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
1: It's a very simple question. When a king collects taxes, does he tax his own family? The answer is no, he doesn't do that. In verse 26... Peter said that from strangers. Jesus said to him, consequently, the sons are exempt. An ancient king would, would not tax himself. You know why? Because the taxes went to support him and his family. It doesn't make sense to tax yourself and your family when it's going to support you anyway, so the family is just tax-exempt. No point in taxing yourself to support yourself. So Peter understood that, and Peter said, well, he taxes strangers, and taxes family. What's the point? point is this, Matthew is presenting Jesus as king. Jesus is the king. Technically, he doesn't have to pay taxes. The taxes go to support the king. The king doesn't have to pay taxes.
2: I just read a story about some interesting graffiti on a poster at a blood bank. The poster said, be a volunteer blood donor. Someone then printed on the poster, that's the best kind. Do you feel like an involuntary money donor every April 15th? I imagine that most of us do. It's interesting, though, that Jesus paid taxes, even though as the Almighty Creator, He was far above that sort of responsibility. He wanted to make sure we did not use His example as an excuse to not pay our taxes. It's nice to have you along today for Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 28 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio classes are adapted from his weekly messages at Lakeside. We are in the middle of a three-part message today that is the last in a short series of studies about the Christian's response to government. I doubt if anyone would dispute the notion that taxes are the most hated part of government. The Jews of Jesus' time hated taxes as much as we do, if not more. The Romans taxed them just for the privilege of breathing. It was called a poll tax. Yet Jesus encouraged them to pay even that grossly unfair tax. Why? Let's go to the Word of God to find out. If you can, turn to Romans chapter 13, verses 6 through 7. Now here's Pastor Steve.
1: What is the biblical response to taxes? That's really what we're concerned about. Not people who sit on airplanes with you, and not people who tell you their opinions, and not people who say it's unconstitutional, and not people who make $450 claims and think that. We're not interested in man's opinion. What is the biblical uh, responsibility that we have to taxes? Very simple pay them. Pay them. Now, if I just said that, you know, you wouldn't know a whole lot more about it. So we want to search the scriptures a little bit and see that not only does the Bible say that in, in Romans 13, but it supports that throughout its pages. We are to pay our taxes, and we're going to see a little bit about why we are to pay our taxes. God doesn't just say pay them. He tells us why. The first place we read about paying taxes to the government is found in Genesis chapter 41. And so you need to turn there. Genesis 41. And the first place that we read about it is not even dealing with Israel. Surprisingly enough, it is dealing with the pagan nation, the ancient nation of Egypt. Non-biblical people, a pagan people ruled by Pharaoh. And the situation is this, to let you understand the background of Genesis 41. Pharaoh has had a dream that has frightened him. And nobody can interpret the dream for him. And he is really scared. It was a weird, weird dream. Someone tells him about this, uh, this fellow who's in prison by the name of Joseph, and he can interpret dreams. God has given him the ability to do this. And so Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Joseph, one of the sons of of Jacob, has ended up in prison. And let's look at verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I have heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Then Joseph uh, answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. In other words, I'm not going to tell you my opinion. God gives me this ability, and it's really God telling you. What's happening. So Pharaoh spoke to to Joseph, and uh, he told him about this dream that he had, and uh, we don't need to go into all the details of it, but a very unusual dream. And Joseph interprets it, and let me just tell you what he says, basically. The interpretation is this. For seven years, there is going to be incredible abundance in the land of Egypt. There is going to be agricultural abundance. Then for seven years, there is going to be a famine. So Pharaoh says, what are we going to do? I mean, that's terrible. It's going to be a famine. What should we do? Let's, let's look at verse 29. You'll see this. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt, and after them seven years of famine will come, and all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will ravage the land. So the abundance will be unknown in the land because of that subsequent famine, for it will be very severe. Now, as for the repeating of the dream and so forth, that Pharaoh, uh, twice, it means it's determined by God. God's going to bring it about quickly. And now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the lands of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Now remember, Joseph is speaking for God. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, when everything is good for the first seven years, tax everybody. 20% tax. Tax them. So that when the famine comes around, you're going to have enough in store to feed everybody. Now part of God's plan, quite frankly, was was for the survival of Israel. Uh, without the, if you know the story as it goes on a little bit later that Joseph is the instrument God uses to save the Jewish people in their early days because they come to Egypt and so forth but I want you to understand that this is a taxation, this is a taxation, it was instituted by God through his servant Joseph and it was for a pagan people it's not even a godly people here Now, if God wants people giving taxes to an ungodly government like ancient Egypt, then how can we say that we shouldn't give taxes to a secular government like the United States? That's the point here. The point is that God approved of taxes. Joseph didn't arbitrarily say this. God inspired him to say this. That's part of the interpretation and part of the solution. Taxation was also a way of life for the Jewish people. Now we get into Israel, and I'm going to say something that you may uh, be very surprised to hear. You hear a lot today about the tithe. Uh, I don't believe personally that the tithe is for today in the sense of God says you must give just 10%. Do you know what the tithe was in the Old Testament? It was a taxation. It was not a love gift. It was a required giving. The tithe was required. It was nothing like we take up in the morning. What we have in the morning service is a love gift. You give out of love towards the Lord. You give out of love. You give out of adoration. You give out of worship. The Old Testament Jew wasn't told to do that at all. He was told to give because this was a tax. It was required by the law of Moses. You don't give what's required in the sense of the morning service. We don't come around and take a poll and say, "Now this is what the, the words that you have to give 10%. No, we don't do that. Leviticus, if you turn to Leviticus 27, you'll see this. In Leviticus 27, the end of verse uh, of the chapter 30 to 32, it says this. Thus... All the tithe of the land, a tithe means tenth, of the land, of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If therefore a man wishes to redeem part of his tithe, he shall add to it one-fifth. For every tenth part of herd or flock, whatever passes under the rod, the tenth, uh, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. Now, the, he's saying this, give ten percent to the Lord. In produce. Whatever you produce, give 10%. Now, if someone said, Well, I don't want to give in produce, I want to give in in money. Well, then he said, Give 15%. And the point was that they wanted produce and not your money. So if you're going to give money, then up another 5%. That would encourage you to give produce. Now, where did this tithe go? When it says to the Lord, what does that mean? What does that mean? The Lord come down, reach your hand, say, Thank you, and bring it up to. No. No, this was to go to the priests. This was to go to the Levites. Deuteronomy. 18, 1 through 5 tells us this. The Levitical priest, the whole tribe of Levi, shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's offerings by fire and his portion, and they shall have no inheritance among their countrymen. The Lord is their inheritance as he promised them. Now this shall be the priest due from the people, from those who offer a sacrifice, even an an ox or a sheep, of which they shall give to the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks of the stomach. You shall give him the first fruits of your grain, your new wine, your your oil, and the first sharing of your sheep. For the Lord your God has chosen him and his sons from all your tribes to stand and serve in the name of the Lord forever. The Levites served the Lord. They didn't have an inheritance. People were to give them. That was where the tax went. You know why? Because they were the government's officials. Israel was a theocracy. That is, God was in charge of Israel, and he set up the priests to run the nation. They were, just as we think today, of civil authorities. The priests in the Old Testament in Israel were alike, that they were the civil authorities, they were the judges, they were the rulers. So the money went to support government officials. That's where the tithe went. But in addition to that, did you know there were other tithes? I mean, a lot of people think, well, I have to give 10% because the Old Testament teaches that. You know the Old Testament does not teach that that a Jewish person living in that same age was to give 10%. The Old Testament teaches that there were a number of tithes. There was a, in addition to the Levitical tithe, there was a once-a-year festival tithe where they were all to come or at least give their food uh, to Jerusalem and have kind of a, a national potluck dinner. That was every year. And then every three years, they were to bring a tithe for the poor people and for orphans and, and for widows and those who didn't have much. So that was every three years. And there was a tax, uh, not a tithe, but there it wasn't, quite that, that uh, same amount, but there was a tax on keeping up the temple of God. Had to keep up the temple, and who was going to do it? Well, where's the money going to come from? People had to be taxed. By the time you counted it all up, you know how much the Old Testament Jewish person paid yearly? About 25%. So if you're going to follow just the Old Testament, get away from uh, 10%, because it wasn't that at all. His taxes supported government leaders, religious festivals, the poor, and the temple. And then there were some other things added in, too. When we come to the New Testament, what do we find? Do we find the uh, Gospels uh, going against this? Do we find Jesus teaching that we shouldn't pay uh, taxes? Well, you need to turn to Matthew 17 to find out what Jesus had to say. In Matthew, this is in the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 17 beginning at verse 24. And when they had come to Capernaum, those who collected the two drachma, that would be two days wages. These were tax collectors. The two drachma tax came to Peter and says, does your teacher not pay the two drachma tax? Now, I don't know why they, why they went to Peter and said this, why they didn't go to the Lord. Uh, but we do know that Jesus had set up headquarters in Capernaum at this point in his ministry. Uh, this was Peter's hometown, and so it's very likely that they would come to Peter because they knew him well. But Jesus and his men had been away ministering for a while, and it's very possible that taxes were started to be collected, and Jesus and, his, and Peter and his men were not there for when they began this, and so now the tax collectors are there with their hands out and say, What about it? Peter, doesn't your teacher pay taxes? Did Peter say, No, no, no. No, you don't understand. He's God. He did not have to pay taxes. He's the master. The master doesn't pay taxes. You know what he said? Verse 25, yes, the master pays taxes. He pays... T- Peter knew, no hesitation. I want, to, I want you to stop for a moment and think about this. This is, this is astounding. This tax was not a Roman tax. This was the Jewish temple tax. Remember I just told you about they had to support the temple and keep it up. This is what it's referring to. There were Roman taxes that Rome put upon the Jewish people, and we'll deal with that in just a few moments. But this was a temple tax tax. This tax would go for the support of the temple. Jesus knew that. It would be part of the temple treasury. Do you know what the religious leaders of Israel will eventually do with some of the money in the temple tax, in the temple treasury, rather? Do you know what they're going to do with that? 30 pieces of silver are going to go to the betrayal of Christ. They're going to give Judas that. Matthew twenty-six fourteen and 15 says, They paid him out of the temple treasury 30 pieces of silver. Did Jesus know that? Of course he knew that. He's God. He knows everything. He knows where his tax money is going. He knows that that, that his very taxes are going to go to support his death. He knows that. And he knows that the temple is now, as he called it, a den of thieves, not a house of prayer. I mean, he's already uh, gone in there and cleansed the temple once. He's going to do it one more time before his crucifixion. He knows that it's corrupt. He knows it's not used right. He knows that the money that is is being put in the temple, part of that's going to go to crucify him. And knowing all of this, Jesus didn't say, I can't give my money to such an immoral institution as this. This isn't the way God intended the authorities to be. I don't like the way they use my money. I'm going to keep it and give it to the Lord. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that, and he didn't do that. The tax collectors asked Peter, does your teacher pay his taxes? And all that Peter said was yes. But I'll bet that Peter was thinking about it. wonder why he does it. I wonder why, because when you read further, the Bible says in verse 25, when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first. I mean, Peter didn't get in and say, Lord, you know, there's some guys out here asking me about tax." No, Jesus knew exactly what was going on because he's God, and he says to Peter immediately, he says, why do you think, Simon, uh, what do you think, Simon, from whom do the kings of the earth collect customs or poll tax, that is a census tax, from their sons or from strangers? So it's, a, it's a very simple question. When a king collects taxes, does he tax his own family? The answer is no. He doesn't do that. In verse 26, Peter said that from strangers. Jesus said to him, consequently, the sons are exempt. An ancient king would, would not tax himself. You know why? Because the taxes went to support him and his family. It doesn't make sense to tax yourself and your family when it's going to support you anyway, so the family is just taxed. Exempt. No point in taxing yourself to support yourself. So Peter understood that. And Peter said, "Well, he taxes strangers and taxes family. What's the point?" Point is this: Matthew is presenting Jesus as king. Jesus is the king. Technically, he doesn't have to pay taxes. The taxes go to support the king. The king doesn't have to pay taxes. And the disciples, technically, in one sense, didn't have to pay taxes either because they're children of the king and they're children of the kingdom. But Jesus didn't say, well, let's have a technicality here, because technically we could get out of this temple text. No. Verse 27 says this But lest we give them offense, lest our nation stumble, because they don't understand this. They don't recognize me as king, and they don't recognize you as children of the kingdom. They don't understand the spiritual talk. Lest we give them offense, Peter, go to the sea, throw in a hook, and take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you'll find a stater that is a shekel. Take that and give it to them for you and me. Don't we wish that finding money was, tax money was this easy today? It's, it's not. But uh, the point of this is that we ought to pay taxes. We ought to pay taxes. Jesus did, and he said, we, we, don't, we don't want them hung up on this. That You know, I don't pay taxes. They'll miss the whole point of my ministry. No, lest they be offended, we're going to pay it. Jesus paid his taxes, and we should too. But someone may argue at this point, say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, Steve. This tax was an Old Testament temple tax. We're not under the law anymore. The temple doesn't even exist. The Old Testament has passed away in the sense of the law, and our taxes don't go to support a theocracy like Israel anymore. We are involved in a secular government. Is there a New Testament support for paying taxes to a government that is... Not believers in the true sense. Well, yes, that's Matthew chapter 22. And you need to turn there. And we looked at this a few weeks ago. We dealt, this is the one that deals with the Pharisees and the Herodians coming together. And it's a fascinating portion of scripture. It says in verse 15, then the Pharisees went and counseled together how they might trap him in what he said. The whole uh, intent of them coming to Christ is to trap him. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. They sent people who they thought Jesus wouldn't know with the Herodians. Now, the Pharisees never got along with the Herodians. They were miles apart, uh, politically speaking. The Pharisees did not believe in giving a certain tax to Rome. They were rebellious towards Rome. The Herodians were pro-Roman, but they got together on this issue because they all wanted to trap Jesus and here's the trap. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you're truthful, and teach the way of God in truth, and defer to no one, for you are partial to no one. It, it, it just ekes of flattery. It's just trying to butter him up. They're saying true things, but I don't think they mean it. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? Now, they think they're going to trap Jesus. If Jesus says, uh, you, ought to, you ought to pay Rome, then the Pharisees say, Ah, He's a traitor. And no Jewish person is going to support him if they say you ought to pay this tax. If the, if the Lord says you, uh, you should not pay Rome, then the Herodians are there who are pro-Roman, and they'll report him to the authorities, and they might just kill him because they would see, think that he's an insurrectionist. So they think they've trapped him there. But what we didn't look at, at least not carefully, is this poll tax. In verse 17, is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? The Romans taxed the Jewish people, no question about it. But some of those taxes were really good. They, they had a number of taxes. They had a land tax. There was a, a 10% of, of grain and 5% of wine and oil. There were custom taxes for transporting goods. There was an income tax of 1%. But there was a poll tax. The Jewish people could stomach all of the other taxes, because they were for services rendered. They were for police protection. They were for a whole water system Rome had put in. Uh, a number of things like that. They were for beneficial things. And the Jewish people kind of stomached that, but they could not handle a poll tax. Because the poll tax was a census tax. Just because you were alive, you were breathing, they taxed you for existing under Roman authority. And the Jewish people did not want to be under anyone's authority. They said, we belong to God, not Rome and every time they had to pay this tax it was one more, it was just like a knife being stuck in you and said, listen, you are a people enslaved to us and so they hated that, they rebelled against it it's very interesting, in Acts chapter 5, verse 37 remember Gamaliel, who gets up and he says he says this, he says, look, the, the apostles are creating a fuss they're preaching the gospel, the Jewish leaders don't want to hear it and uh, Gamaliel gets up and says, look well, well, I'll tell you, look, let's turn to it and so you'll see it for itself, because it's great Camille gets up. And he says in verse 35, Men, take care of what you propose to do to these men. Let's not be too quick about it. For some time ago, Thudius rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined him with him. And he was slain, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. So there was a man who rose up. Everybody followed him. It's a big deal. And he said, I think this is the same way with this Jesus, and so just let him be. It'll come to nothing. But verse 37 is interesting. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of of the census and drew away some people after him. He too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. He said there was a time, remember, and I think this is about 6 AD, he said when a man by the name of Judas of Galilee rose up, and you know why he rose up? Because of this very tax, the census tax. He led a revolt against Rome, and you know what happened? He died. And everybody who followed him died. But the point that I want you to see is that even back then, the Jewish people had a problem with it. There was, a, there was always rebellion about this census tax. In fact, Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us that the very fall of Jerusalem, when Titus and the Roman Legion marched in in 70 A.D., stemmed from this issue of taxation. In 66 A.D., it started the revolution. This tax. This was a burning issue.
2: Oh, how they hated those taxes and the fact that they were under Roman rule. What a perfect trap for Jesus. If he said not to pay, they could tell the Roman authorities. If he said to pay it, they were sure that he would lose his followers. So rather than give a direct answer, as we will see in our next class, Jesus let them figure it out for themselves. Our time is nearing its end today for Verse by Verse, but Pastor Steve Kreloff will be back next time to finish this three-part message. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're in Clearwater on a Sunday morning and do not already have a place to worship, we invite you to come worship with us. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road, That is midway between U.S. 19 and the beaches. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry and it's made possible through the gifts of our listeners. To learn more about how you can help keep these classes on the air, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can click the link that says Support Us. Another feature of the website is our audio archives. We have hundreds of past classes there in MP3 audio format. They're free for the downloading or for listening online. For your convenience, today's class is at the top of our homepage. You can also sign up for our free podcasting service to be sure you never miss a future class. If you would like to order a cassette or CD with the entire three-part message from which we developed today's lesson, Please call 727 239 0306. Government officials not only squander tax money on frivolous projects, they routinely steal it. It seems like we cannot get through a week without learning about some new financial abuse by our representatives. But what about people who cheat on their taxes? Are they stealing too? We will see what the Bible says on the next verse by verse.
0: You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse.
1: Every ability we have
0: is God's.